0: Apart Castan from Lagos, the smallest state in Nigeria and the Center for Nollywood, Africa's most popular film industry, this is Being More with Ibuku, a show inspiring African women to discover their identities, develop their leadership skills, and improve their finance so they can amplify their voices for more influence and impact. And I am your host, Ibukun Omolulu, a gender parity advocate who combines career with writing, public speaking, and is also Mrs. Alpha in a squad of testosterone. Today, I am going to be joined by Tolu. Yay, Tolu, I can see you. La- Can you hear me? Awesome. I can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> so I am so delighted to have with me today a very interesting personality. Her name is Tulu Babajide. Tulu Babajide is a driven development professional with expertise in resource mobilization, multi sector partnership, innovations, and government relations. She has extensive experience of building partnerships. Or social impact rooted in core business practices she's also a fierce advocate of women I have been seeing a lot of things she's been doing and she's going to be sharing more about gender parity if this is a meet in career or in um, entrepreneurship and will be you know expanding a whole lot more on this because a lot of people feel gender parity is like and gender equality is some form of hold um, to to advance the cause of women at the expense of men. <laughs> so, what we it really, and we're going to be talking about that today. So, thank you, Tolu, for joining us. I am super delighted to be doing this with you. Do you mind sharing about your background and how you got into the industry you currently are?
1: Okay, thank you very much, Ibukun, and. Um, Fortunately for me, I think this is my first live, uh, so this feels very awkward right now, and uh, it's raining in Abuja. So, but it's great to be here with you, and um, you know, great job and well done on everything that you're doing for the for our agenda, women, and um, I'm so proud of you. And uh, just to just to jump right in uh into the uh, you know what we are discussing today and I will give you a a brief background about uh where I'm coming from where I am now and uh, maybe <laughs> where I intend to go and uh, when when we talk about my background I have a very I would say that my career has been very 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 fluid like um I I read English and Literary Studies in the university, um, that was a long time ago, and uh, from there I moved into, uh, As at the time that I read English, I didn't know exactly what I was going to, who I was going to become or what I was going to do next. that I moved into journalism so I used to in my former life (laughs) I used to be a journalist and a reporter a copy editor (laughs) so I did all of that and I used to really 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 love it and um, I never at that as at that time I never felt I never thought there was going to be a time when but then I, I was asked by my organization then to cover a story uh, at the UN Women and uh, it was an advocacy event against female genital mutilation and um, I remember another event and uh, you know seeing all those numbers and uh hearing a lot of people talking about female genital mutilation, and i was like wondering what is this that they are talking about and i asked somebody because i was like oh this is so gory like when i saw the pictures that were presented to us the numbers everything and i was i was thinking in my (laughs) head like what is happening like who are these people how can this such uh how can something harmful like this be happening to somebody and i asked that person like I'm sorry, is female circumcision the same as female genital mutilation? And the person said, Yes. I said, Yes, but I'm circumcised. Because I never saw it as something bad. I never saw it as something harmful. I never saw it as something because where I come from, literally all the girls, all the young girls, as at that time in the 80s, mm-hmm. were circumcised. And most, and most times it was when the odd officials, that, uh, you know, come to do court, such, uh, lay girls at home. Nobody saw it. It was a norm that was taken yes. as normal. You know, it was a quarter thing. And, um, but that single event, uh, that uh, event where I covered, um, literally changed everything. I began to think, like, I'm. Um, by the way, I, I'm from a very educated family. And, um, I also, you know, my town, too, was, you know, pretty educated. Lots of pre- uh, educated people. But there we have with a lot of, uh, with our norms that we never even saw as uh, bad, that becomes something that we accepted as normal. And I realized that if I could, as a, an educated woman, could have accepted something that was not um that was not okay. As okay, that means that there are a lot of young women that are that are probably going through something they should not have been going, not to, something that they should not have even gone through in the first instance. And I started thinking, of, how can I advocate? All I had was writing. I could write so well, and I started writing about it. I remember uh, reaching out to Twenty Eight Too Many. Uh, it's an international organization against. Uh, an advocacy organization against female female genital cutting. And I wrote my heart out Mm. in the articles that I was sending to them. But I realized it was not enough. I needed to take it a top notch. I needed to change my career. And there, I started looking for another job. And uh, I think I was also fortunate then to get another job at White Ribbon Alliance International. Uh, it's a civil society that is um, that advocates for the maternal rights of uh, pregnant women and uh, uh, young mothers. And from then, I've been in development. I've been doing development for the past, for all these years. And I really, really love development because uh, it's about seeing what change needs to be made and then making those changes. It's as simple as ABC. But then, uh, fundraising, to partnerships, to innovation, uh, and because I I I I I strongly believe that all of these are enablers of uh of, of development. They are enablers of impact. When we talk about funding, when we talk about partnerships, when we talk about uh when we talk about uh, innovation they are all enablers of impact no matter how much we are passionate about a course, if there's no money to fund that course it will not see the light of the day if there's no coordinated partnership then you are going to work a long way to even be to be able to to even scratch the surface at all if there's no innovations then you're constantly going to be doing the same thing all over and over and over and over and over again like, it doesn't make sense to keep doing the same thing over and over and again so uh, i i'm so grateful for where i am and how far i've come. and um you know these days I, and i'm back to gender all i do right now my nine-to-five job is about gender it's about creating this of women in rural areas about um, Financial inclusion for women is about speaking up for women it's about uh you know coordinating and consolidating support for women so it's it's a great time for me and I'm just so really really grateful to be where Fantastic. i am today.
0: that was so um emotional um because I'm going to share a statistic with you from United Nations. It is estimated that 2 million (laughs) girls would, um, they're at risk of FGM, which is female genital mutilation in the next 10 years as a result of COVID-19. And so when you, when you were talking about that, I was just like, wow, wow, there is still a lot to do regarding um, gender equality and, you know, so many things you said. So you went into financial inclusion and I'm almost <laughs> I'm almost eager to get into that but let's take it gradually So in the line of work that you do and I'm so glad that you said you've been working with women because a lot of people are like what's the hula baloo about women? Why Why are we doing all of this? And then um, in the last one month there's been a celebration of women at the excellence of their career in terms of getting into the top cadres in banking and that's, and that's just one segment of one sector in, you know, in the informal sector as a whole. And so when it comes to gender equality and gender parity, how can you, um, you know, break that down for people? Because awareness, okay, is a big issue for people. People do not understand or know what these things are, what the numbers are, and how we're at risk for so many things. You, know, you, were, spe- you were speaking about you just attending a um an event and you saw the numbers and it, it was staggering for you how in your own way could you explain what gender equality is and how and what role does parity play in that in Nigeria right now
1: okay thank you Ibukon uh, and uh, anytime we talk about gender equality it's um, You know, I know for a long time, even gender equality itself has been, a lot of people frown at it because they feel like, okay, why should we be equal? uh, But the question is that, why shouldn't we be equal? Like we're all, we're both, as in we're human beings, as long as you're human, as in you are human, you're then, it's then required or is expected that you should be treated as a human regardless of whatever gender you have you should have equal opportunity to uh you know equal you should have equal access to opportunities you should have equal access to rights you should have equal access to uh even the agency so the agency of women is really about you know, women making decisions, enabling women to make decisions or to have uh, the power to make decisions. And uh, not just the power to make decisions, but also an enabling environment where these decisions could thrive, right? So when we talk about equality in the top, equality, it's just as simple as ABC. So if as I, as a female child, and a, another male child were to be presented, you know with a live opportunity there shouldn't be anything that will hold me back as a woman from reaching this opportunity there shouldn't be anything that will make me disadvantaged compared mm-hmm. to the male child and i and I, I don't like to see all right gender equality i like to break it down i mean very literary person, maybe due to my background in uh, English and my background in journalism and advertising. Like, it's just so simple. There's nothing. I when to talk about numbers. These numbers are not just numbers. There are people that we see every day. There are people that are not allowed to go to school. There are people that are not, that are married off as early as uh, maybe 16. There are people that are not allowed to have family planning you know, there are people that are not allowed to make decisions household decision making you know even the ability to not be able to you as an entrepreneur as a woman you're not allowed to get access to markets even the i'm talk, I'm, I'm not even talking about bigger markets now you want the ability to take your wares to the market so equality it's about giving access it is all about access and um and Every one of us should be at that standpoint in creating these access to people. You know, for a long time, women have been at the receiving end. I've been at the, also, when I say receiving end now, women have been at that end in which access has been denied for such a long time. There was a time that women were actually fighting to. So be given the right to vote can you imagine that as in, that is where the female suffrage system came from people were literally begging like we have the right to vote and so because for such a long time women have been denied of these rights and that is why we are having these advocacies that's why we are having these conversations which is never enough Uh, it is never enough to have these conversations. It is always a constant one that we need to be having every day about access. And access is in different levels, just like life in itself is in different contexts. So when we talk about access, what access means to me is different from what Mm access means to a rural woman or for a woman that lives in the burial back area. So what access means to me could be very different so for example you and i i i i really love when you mentioned that oh for the for the first time we have this uh maybe eight number uh, eight women uh, that are md ceos of banks so what access could be for those women before they became these ceos could be get to that stage uh, that is one level of access for another woman it's like being able to even you know even have um, access to financial services so we can never stop talking about this access when it comes to gender equality and also when it comes to parity you know I believe so much in uh, I believe so much in uh, equality but I also believe in equity I, I, I remember I I, had, I was having a conversation with a colleague of mine on Friday and we were talking she was writing something about breastfeeding as in last week was breastfeeding week and she was writing her experience about breastfeeding and um, and we were talking about equality and I I told her that you know the funny thing is that if we were to put this equality back into the breastfeeding like uh, uh, paid leave uh, this is called paid leave then maybe we women we would not be justified but if you look at it from the angle from the lens of gender equity yes because we might be free we might have access to yes the right to have access to all opportunities are there but at the same time when we look at because of our uh, biological differences because of our physiological differences it's not, we have to be equitable when, when we look at it. So as a woman, I go through various life, uh, life, life processes compared to a man. So for example, a man will not go through pregnancy. I will go through, I've gone through pregnancy twice. A woman will not go through, um, uh, a man will not go through, you know, breastfeeding, family planning. I will go through all of that. So, I need a system that takes into cognizance all of these my stages, all of these my experiences, all of this. Because if I need to, if I need to, uh, as a, if I need to take leave because um, I want to go and give back to my my child and I need to be off for six weeks, six months, those six months shouldn't impact negatively on my career. That is where equity enters. So, and, you know, that is where equity enters. So even as we are pushing this equality, we should then be pushing equity because it is not different. It is different context. Men and women, different context, different life experiences. And, um, and you know, these days when we talk about, even when we look at COVID-19, what, what happened? The research, uh, one of the reports that I read, Women are badly yeah. hit by COVID 19, not necessarily uh, because of the uh, on the earth side, but also because a lot of women lost their jobs. So, how are uh, different organizations working to make sure that it's not just the equality part that they are committed to, but they are also committed to the equity
0: part? I hope I've been. Fantastic. Able to I like the fact that you. Mentioned that um, equality is, you know, is it's a um, it's a cogent reason for us to, you know, come together. And um, I like the fact that you mentioned that equality does not necessarily mean that women and men are the same, but that their rights, their responsibilities, and their objectives should not depend on whether they are male or female. And it's it's super important to reiterate that because. A lot of people feel it's like a war the sexes. It's a war of women are better than men, and men are better than women. And, you know, it, it gets to me because I'm like, well, over-tipping the skills. It's not a skewed conversation. Yes, women have been marginalized at most, but there's a place where people can be recognized for and allowed to, you know, um, get opportunities and access different things. And I was so glad when you spoke about agency, because this is truly one of the limiting government. factors for women and it all boils down to poverty and you were right when you said that you know poverty impacts women differently from men that's an area that a lot of people do not get If poverty is not just that people lack the means to satisfy you know their income it's a combination of Different conditions. And this is taking me to the next question. (laughs) Sarah Hendricks, who is the head of the United Nations, said um, poverty is a collection of three different things lack of financial assets, um, lack of um, access to property, as well as a lack of voice in one's community, which really centers around the agency that you're talking about. So, coming from a finance background, I am particularly interested in anything that depicts or screams financial inclusion for women because i believe when women have the agency to you know make money save money spend their money have control over resources it makes a lot of difference for them so you have this interesting write-up in inclusion finance that i read <laughs> where you gave a very profound perspective on what inclusion on what exclusion was can you please share that with us okay thank you very much Ibuko
1: (laughs) (laughs) so that article that I wrote was something that I experienced earlier this year I wanted to really understand what it means for someone to be excluded and I wasn't wasn't, uh, ready to use another person as a guinea pig right it was just really about um trying to understand how how exclusion works for a long time i've tried to wrap my head and head around financial inclusion and i'm such a big uh, fan of financial inclusion i write about it i walk around it Uh, it's something that i do it's something that i do on my 9 to 5 but I, I really wanted to understand because as far as I can as could remember, I remember the first time that I opened my bank account. That was a few weeks before I left for uni. And I was in Malaysia then. I'm an, I'm, 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 even in Malaysia then, I remember we had lots of banks and my dad walked me through one of those banks and uh, I opened my bank account. But, and ever since then, I've always had bank accounts and i've always done so much within the bank account even though i'm not the most um i'm not the most financially savvy person (laughs) that you could get on the block but (laughs) but then i've always had that as long as i could that i could you know i remember buying my first shares when i was doing my NYC and i bought a lot of shares then so even though i'm I would still not categorize myself as very financially, (laughs) uh, you know, savvy. But then I have, you know, I have all these assets. It also boils down to assets, right? And this year I wanted to see that what does it really mean? And as at the time that I stripped my main savings accounts of all digital financial services, it was a time that I needed I was putting together a structure for myself physically so i needed to be having uh like to to be holding cash or to be spending cash a lot and i stripped myself i stripped that account of anything of digital financial services before now i find it like if i i can't remember the last time i bought i went to an abuki or i went to somewhere to buy on general credit everything is like just yes i'll just buy it online i'll just buy it online like exactly life has become that easy and then i lack. <laughs> and then intentionally i lacked assets. like oh my goodness like and for everything that i needed to do i was going every morning almost every morning i needed to pay some people that were working in my house i needed to do this I had to go to the bank. I, I can't a even imagine how you did that. The bank.
0: Like they <laughs> because that- even now I am, I'm cringing <laughs> right now. Like all that time <laughs> wasted.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like the on telling me that, madam, why don't you? As in, they, it was substituted. It was very, like, very real at, at the beginning, like. Oh, and we have a, uh, you know, internet banking. Would you like to register? The next morning, when they see me again, they will say they just applied it. They just to be like, madam, why don't you just open this internet banking or do USSD? Like, madam, do we have the USSD? And it happens to be GT. It happens to be GTB. And they sell through several. Like, why well, can't you just do it see if you don't want to? If you're not that like knowledgeable to do it. But I kept on going through the hassle, driving every day to the bank. And those were the, also the times, early in the year, where the COVID-19 protocols were still very in place. So you will see like hundreds of people by 8 o'clock at the bank. And I'm going to walk, And at the time, I felt like, you are so foolish. Is so stressful, and uh, you can't do. We can't really do much. And I remember the time that I needed to send money. So I sent money on a Friday to someone, and that money never got to that person until two weeks after. They said there was a problem. I had to go back to fill the form. They had to trace the money. They said the money has not gotten there. That is what people in room. People that do not have bank accounts, people that do not have access to digital financial services go through on a normal day. I went through this for like two months and I couldn't even hold it again. I thought, oh, this, is, this has gone too long. This experiment is over. I'm done. I, like, I'm like i literally done. And uh, But imagine someone exactly. that do not have access to digital financial services. Imagine somebody that does not have bank accounts. A woman that does not have bank accounts. She does not have credit history. She does not have, She can. that means someone that doesn't have a credit history cannot um, even adequately yes. have access to loans. So that means the person is saving informally. And these are the days of terrorism. These are the days of conflict. <laughs> Sorry. These are the days where If you keep money in the house and people get to know that you don't have $100 in your house, they might boggle your house overnight and you might get yourself keyed. So that is how it is for people not to be included in that matrix Mm -hmm. of financial services. So we have to do everything within our means to make sure that these people that are excluded right now, they are included. We have to make sure that they are customized to for these people because also if financial product that will work for you you used to work at selling Bank or oh, somebody I can see Odna on this call. Odna, hello Odna <laughs> the financial product that Odna world needs is different from the financial product that I need. I need a product I exactly. understand my needs. It, Thought about my right, that carefully thought about my rights, that has carefully thought about my needs. And is able to integrate that into the you know design of the product. That is what financial inclusion is. At the end of the day, right now, we based on the target that we had for 2020, we didn't meet that target. Right now we have, is it not 38.6 people that still mm-hmm. do not have access. That is too high when you look at it. And because also the banks too are focused on a small segment of people. They want to serve a small segment. So um, I got a scholarship recently to Lagos Business School to study uh, for a course on financial inclusion. So my head right now, typically everything that is in my head right now is on financial inclusion. (laughs) And um, I was able to see the created these personals of people of when it comes to financial inclusion. And there's like I could see vulnerable believers, I could see digital youth, I could see confident optimists, I could see a whole lot of people. And you will see I could see confident, yeah, confident savers or something. And you could see the percentage of each of these personals, they are people, yes. they're actual people. You will find it so shocking that a lot of people exactly. do not have access. So our work is to make
0: sure that these people have access. And that is why I wrote that. Fantastic. Article. That article was really insightful. It was very interesting for me, particularly because I am also, you know, very passionate about financial inclusion and for women. And you mentioned something that really, really got to me, because it's not rocket science when you design solutions for women that efficiently serve them they are going to come for it it's really about value for them it's not just about you know creating something out of <laughs> out of the blue like and assuming that this is what the customer needs it's actually designing with those women in mind to make products and solutions that efficiently serve them and i think that is just so fantastic and just to um, clarify to our audience we are not marketing any brand here. She was just you know talking about her experience with a particular brand. So my next question would be considering the level of work that you've done in in terms of um, in the women's space basically because I do not want to limit this to just financial inclusion okay this all gender, equity and equality thing is, is really a multi-stakeholder goal. It's not something that one person can do. alone. And you actually spoke about that when you said Definitely. that there, there's a level of partnership and engagement that is needed, required to get all of this done. So I wanted to ask, what areas do you think, in your own perspective, do you think that the nation has gotten right so far? And how do you think, other stakeholders, like the everyday person, people listening to this, um, the everyday man. What other contribution can these people bring to gender equality? Bearing in bearing in mind that this gender parity has not been too reflective um, in in the lives of career women, in the lives of um um of entrepreneurial women, because you have actually mentioned some of the things that you some of the Features and characteristics you've noticed with them. What do you think? So it's like two questions in one. What do you think? Um, where do you think the country has gotten it right so far, and how can people, you know, contribute to do more?
1: Okay, thank you. So the first question is, uh, what has the country done so far, and uh, what can people do? Ordinary people, normal people do to contribute to this uh, entire uh you know entire advocacy that i was tell the government i think the government has done relatively well and i would say that uh not because I, I i i work a lot with the government now but because um, also because everything when when it comes to the government when you think about government the first thing that should come to your mind is the that will advance the cost of women or will advance the agency of women. So I would say that the environment is conducive because, uh, you know, even despite some pockets of infrastructural barriers up and down, but I would still say that the environment is very conducive, even though it might not be reflective in the, uh, maybe in the number of women that have been appointed into uh, elective offices, it might not be. (music) So let's say for example last week was breastfeeding week and do you know a lot of women that are not able to do exclusive breastfeeding because they have to get back to work uh they have to get back to work after the three months and then because exclusive breastfeeding is six months and they can't go beyond that and so they have to stop breastfe- uh, exclusive breastfeeding yeah. do you know a lot of women that from going for maternity leave mm-hmm. never made it back to their careers like do you know the number of women that used to be bankers and by the time they are coming the organization is not poised to receiving them back yes we have a lot of of course it's not it's not it's not a rule it's not a law it's not a policy but you just find out that the workplaces will come unconsciously hostile to to your needs, or consciously outside to your needs. Oh, so as a breastfeeding mother, you have to be pumping, you have to be doing all those, all those work. But then, if you do not have an organization that is, you know, that even makes it possible for you to even do all of that, then what can you do? But I also think that that, that is the responsibility of the government to begin to put in place some certain policies. So last year there was a national, there was a review of the Nigerian national gender policy. But we want to see more operationalize, operationalize, operationalization of that. We want to see it very evident. We want to see paid leave very, you know, strongly. We want to see um, we want to see more things that we see abroad that has benefited that are, that are benefiting women. Why shouldn't it be replicated in Nigeria? Why shouldn't it? So I would say that the government has done well, but of course, uh, it's not even a case of Oliver Twist. Now. It's a is the case like more has to be done about gender equality and equity in Nigeria. Uh, it has to go beyond what we are just saying. It has to go beyond the you know paying lip service to eat. It has to be more intentional, uh, and this has to. And that is why I was so. And I think I saw you on that call. <laughs> Uh, yes, Nigeria I had uh, to call with, with IST yes, on was. Friday Friday was just so crazy the sense that I had back-to-back meetings but then uh, my friend had, uh, my friend at the ISA had invited me to that event and I'm, I'm just so I'm just so grateful to have been invited because you could see a lot of private sector organizations that are throwing their weight behind uh, gender equality we will, that is a very laudable, uh, you know, uh, event, and uh, it's one to watch and something that we should all be talking about. And then it also takes me back to what we as individuals can do or should do when it comes to gender. It says that when it comes to gender equality, you know, when we are talking about it as it concerns everybody, I think it's more of a behavioural change communications uh, I, I, and I would say that because there are a lot of things that we've been internalized as people that, uh, that are just fundamentally mm. wrong, you understand. I remember some years ago, I wanted to buy, I, I was I was caught in the traffic and I was looking at a guy that was selling newspapers. No, no. was selling magazines, different kinds of magazines. Among one of the magazines was the real estate magazine. Bad. But it kept on pointing the Genevieve to me. It kept on pushing it like, Madame, that is waiting your people, your other people, they read. I said, "What about this real estate? You know the rhythm. You know the rhythm. You know the rhythm." <laughs> but as a woman. I'm not meant to be. I'm not meant to be knowledgeable exactly. about real estate. But I should look at where they are doing the fashion, where they are doing the makeup. That is. That man is not a no, bad man. No, he's not. But that is just, normal. <laughs> so I, I wasn't expected typically expected to reach out for something that was considered masculine. I was expected to be more and to be feminine and reach out the to the feminine things, to things that mm-hmm. they consider feminine. So you could see that it comes with, it's a mindset. And for us to even begin to have these active conversations about gender equality and inequity, we have to begin to change our mindset. We have to begin to we have to begin to, you know, turn this around on the head and say that women can do the things that men can do, the kind of job that you're doing when it comes to the kind of um, roles that you play in in the society. It has no it there's nothing feminine or masculine about it. It that has to do with how competent you are in doing, in carrying out those roles, you know. And also the expectation that is being put on each of these gender, because we all know that gender is a Mm. social construct. So I would then say that for us to begin to change, we have to begin to think differently uh, about what are the roles, what sort of... uh, you know what sort of evil conversations should we be having when it comes to women or men also Which another an example that comes to my mind when we talk about is, is maybe the certain way and uh, men are be supposed to be to you know to behave in a certain way. Women, um, you know, it's as simple as that. They will say, oh, you know, as a woman, why did you do that? You're not meant to do that. You're a lady. But for a man, when it comes to a man, they will say, oh, you know, he's a man, you know. (laughs) And that covers the whole multitude of things, right? But that is the society that we live. But for each and every one of us, we're also raising children, uh, even that awareness. And the funny thing is that I have a five-year-old boy and I, as a gender, as a gender person, I will not call myself a, I'm a feminist, right? As a feminist, my son, one day, we were talking and the next thing he said is, I'm a boy. Mommy, don't you know I'm a boy? I looked at him and said, oh my goodness, what, what is happening here? I thought I was raising a, I thought I, I thought I was raising a feminist. And he said, I can't do that. Mommy, I'm a boy. Like, oh my goodness, what is this, what is happening but you could see that even as a five-year-old, he has started internalizing, internalizing. And, you know, us coming to this world, everybody had a rasa mind. It was a blank mind. It was a blank slate. It's a society that writes on it. Family writes on it. Schools writes on it. Religion writes on it. Everything. And that is what forms who we are right now. That is what forms you know, who we have. It's important that we are intentional, even as we raise our children, when it comes to the expectations, when it comes to the values, when it comes to, you know, gender equality itself. And I would say that, even from myself to you, give women opportunity. Give women opportunity. Give women opportunity. Access has always been the problem. It has always been the problem. Even from time immemorial. when you talk about Women not allowed to vote when we talk about women are not allowed to be uh in workplaces at one time when it comes to women not it has always been the problem has always been Mm -hmm. about access. So when we begin to create access, even from the person that stays with you, that help that stays with you in your house, what is your plan beyond just helping you to you know do your thing? Do you have plan, even as a woman to a woman? Do you have Mm -hmm. plan for that for that girl? You know, instead of that, uh, just for help all all year long. What is your plan? Like, oh, this girl is going to leave my house one day to do something. This girl should get a skill, because at the end of the day, is that about is that about skills?
0: thank you we have just I'm just taking you straight on to the last question and then we'll call it a wrap um I so I am <laughs> I don't even know where to, where to begin but I'm so grateful for some of the profound thoughts you have shared here today and I, I believe it's so important to reiterate that we should be intentional in bringing up our children even though while we raise them, we have to be very intentional about the kind of um, roles we put in their mind. So for example, cooking is not a woman's job per se. It is a life skill that anybody, both men or women should be able to do because it's something that is required for your life. Just like changing bulbs or washing a car shouldn't be a man's job because I remember growing up and washing my yeah. dad's car, and I had one. I mean, half of the time I was getting myself wet, <laughs> but yeah. I had fun doing all of that. You know? then, because the truth of the matter is, I can tell you that there are some women who do not like to cook, and they might not be such great companies. these days. I don't what like they? to cook, I just like to eat. <laughs> you know just like there might be some men who do not like certain things so it shouldn't just be something that is thinking that we need to look at something and see what is this and how does it affect us and why do we do this and you know be able to put that even though i am a woman of faith and i strictly work with what my bible says <laughs> so the last question is what i'm going to say right now um you wear so many hats as a writer as a, um, a career woman I mean, you're an advisor at Harvest. <laughs> I know you've done something with Electa. You're a Purpose Ambassador with Bridge for Billions because we're both Purpose Ambassadors <laughs> together. <laughs> how do you juggle all of that together, knowing that you have two boys? I have to. We have so much in common. To it's amazing. When you were saying something, I no, I don't take have two off. boys. <laughs> I have a girl and a boy. <laughs> Are you serious? I told you I had two boys. Oh my God, I'm sorry oh. for your assumption. You know, so and and so, how do you juggle all of that together? And you just mentioned now you're still doing something. I I, I think I remember you saying you're doing something with Next Ford, and now you're also doing something with LBS. So how do you combine all of that together? I think um
1: uh, it takes a village uh to actually be able to do <laughs> all of these things. Uh, and I, I I I wouldn't give the credit to myself. I would say that I have had support and uh and I'm grateful for the support. Uh, it's been, and I think because I juggle a lot, um, that is why I've also, like on the lighter note, I've tried to stay slim. <laughs> <laughs> because I juggle a lot, actually, I do. Uh, but um, but don't we all juggle? Like, we all juggle. Mm. It's also not, uh, it's not, uh, it's something that I'm grateful for. It's something that I know that a lot, Millions and lots of millions of women are doing the same thing that I'm doing. So I don't find myself like any more privileged than others at all. I feel like, oh, you are doing the same thing. We are all in on this journey and, and there's nothing, absolutely nothing to be ashamed. And it's it's okay to ask for help. So I ask for help a lot. Like, no. some days I'm overwhelmed and I'm broke down by assignments, by I'm doing my MBA, I'm doing a call, I'm doing this certification with LBLs, I'm doing my 9 to 5 job, I'm consulting several places, so it's like constant juggle, and ask for help, and one and I mean, ask for help. It all starts with the asshole chores. Like you don't have to do the asshole just. I, th- I can't remember the last time I swept in my house. And that is the truth. <laughs> I can't remember the last time. The only time I cook in my house these days at the time, maybe weekend that I have to do the book cooking. But every other day, I I, I don't bother. Like you are going it is how you cook the base that like, you are going to eat that base So I I can't even deal like mm-mm. I can't even like, I can't be I can't be finicky about how you cook rice. If we cook it that way, we eat it that way. Like, that should be out of my life, like, seriously. And um, I've also been very grateful to have the support system that I have friends, uh, family members that uh, actually believe in what I do and give me the opportunity and they help out. Uh, I've had, I have wonderful friends that, you know, even when it comes to these, uh, you know, work that we do, like, I run. So, like, oh, this one, I don't know it, though how do you want to teach (laughs) you i'm a student to like so i think that with the right support system there is absolutely nothing that a woman cannot do that is what i think
0: fantastic thank you so much this has been such a very enlightening session that i have thoroughly enjoyed and it was so good to have you join us well thank you so much for your time um and I look forward to bringing you on more shows and talking about different perspectives regarding this. Thank you
1: Thank everyone. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. And, um, you know, you're doing amazingly well, anything that, you know, advances the cost of women. I, so I, I, I think that anything that advances the cost of women is something that is worth, uh, you know, showing the weight behind. And, uh, you know, and that is what you're doing. You're providing spaces for women, you're having these conversations about women, you're you know, so it's 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 a worthy cost, and I would say then continue to do it, continue to provide this space. It's not it might not be the easiest thing to do, because of course there are always like challenges along the path, but if we persist, you know we now get to where we're going so so well done and thank you so much for having me today on
0: this show. my newsletter is going to come out really soon and it's going to revolutionize a whole lot of things happening in the formal section thank you everyone and have a good bye day. <laughs> bye, bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Being More with Ibukun Omalulu. If you like our show and want to know more about it, please check out my website at www.ibukunomalulu.com. Or please leave us a review on Google Podcast, Anchor, or SoundCloud. Join us next week for another dose of amazing and valuable content.